Um, if you have your Bible, I want to call your prayerful attention to Philippians chapter 2. We are in the book of Philippians um, for the beginning of the year. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be re- reading the first 11 verses. Philippians chapter 2. I know you were actually just sit down, but we young people, I'm going to ask you to please stand up for the reference of the Word of God. Amen. Philippians chapter 2. Um, we're going to be reading from the New International Version. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, um, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition of vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a, human, as a man. He humbled himself and become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father the word of God for the people of God. Would you bow and join me in prayer? Father, we know there's no preaching without praying. There's no preaching without your Holy Spirit. So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, mold me and shape me so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be acceptable unto your sight. Oh Lord, my rock, my savior, my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak this afternoon from the simple subject, having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ. There's a quote by this unknown um, author who said this, Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. In other words, whomever is your master... Whomever that you follow as your master will be the one that master your mind. It's a simple fix. If, if, if money is your master, um, money will be the master of your mind. If um, fame is your master, fame will be the master of your mind. In other words, whatever drives you, whatever is your focus, is what mastered your mind. Um, uh, um, a lot of people don't realize, and as we're talking in the new year, as we're talking about in this life, a lot of people don't realize that we give a lot of other things real estate in our minds where, where they don't belong. Um, can I preach even before I introduce a sermon? Um, when you have a boo or bed that you're obsessed with, okay, uh, okay, let me, let me switch to somebody else's zip code. When money is your obsession, you even lie on your tax to get more money. Okay, no, that, okay, that's not your, that's not your zip code. Um, if drugs is your obsession, you would even steal from people that love you dearly so that you can get the drugs. Okay, not, that's not your zip code. Let me get somebody else's zip code. In other words, um, whatever it is that is the master of your mind, is what dictates you. Whatever you do, how you speak, shows what controls you. And what is the master of your mind is what controls you. Um, Paul 
wrote the book of Philippians. And we've been going through it, so I'm not going to um, be laborious by going through a lengthy review. But in chapter 1, Paul is in a circumstance that's not based on him. He's arrested because he's preaching the gospel. And even there, there are others who are using that, that opportunity to basically uh, forward their agenda. They use, and Paul says, you know what? If Christ is being preached, I don't care how they really do it. But those are external circumstances. Here, and last week we saw that, we, see, we said that it's, it's, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. So when you are living this Christian life, you are not playing to play. <laughs> you are in a battleground. And, and so here, excuse me, here, now Paul comes and now he wants to do a contrast. From all the external issues that's been rubbing their joy, now there are internal issues that have to be dealt with in the church. Um, you know how internal issues come about? Um, different cliques. Um, because you're not friends with my friends, I'm not friends with you. But the reality of it is this, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're supposed to be together. And Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and Paul is laying what I consider to be a master, masterpiece of passages of Scripture. And Paul is saying how we are to conduct ourselves and the kind of mindset that we have to have. And before we even get there, if you look with me in the first four verses, and, and this is going to be the teaching part, and the last part will be the preaching part. You all with me? Oh, okay, no, okay. My wife is with me. My son is with me. That's expected. But let me say it again. You all with me? Amen. All right. So, so here, as Paul is putting it to the church, and Paul is saying this, to have, and, and before I even go into what Paul is saying, when I'm talking about to have a mind of Christ, and, and the definition is, is on the PowerPoint, to have a mind of Christ is to be, when you have a mindset that is submissive and humble. And, and when all you are seeking, it's God's glory. See, thank you. Um, remember what I said? The master of your mind, the master, let the master be the master of your mind. When the glory of God is what driving you, it's what undergirds what you do then you, it's okay for you to be obedient. It's okay for you to humble yourself under the agenda that's bigger than you. Okay, that makes sense in my mind, but maybe you, you guys are not getting this. Um, whatever it is that is important to me, whatever is of priority, I submit to that agenda. Have you seen those people getting involved into cults? Um, have you ever watched a TV show and they, 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 they kind of bamboozle uh, um, people with some kind of mindset and, and they, 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 they put a lot of things in their mind and, and you see people just kind of reciting something. You'll be like, well, you're reciting some nonsense. But they brainwash them. They brainwash them. And then so now, wherever they go, they're just reciting blah, 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 blah. It's as if they no longer exist. They don't have a mind of their own. They're just reciting what they've been fed. So here, um, here, I'm, what the, I think the mindset of Christ is, is to have a submissive and humble mind that only seeks the, to, to, to only glorify God. You, you're not looking for anything else. You're looking to only glorify God. And here is what Paul is putting into place. Okay? If you look into verse 1, Paul said, therefore, and the therefore there connected chapter um, 1, primarily 27 to 30. Therefore, now Paul is saying this, having known that we no longer, we're not, in a, we're not in a playground, we're in a battleground. And Paul says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ or any encouragement, and the Philippians' biggest issue, as I said to you, it's not external circumstance, but those of the internal 
attitude that destroyed the Christian unity. And here's what Paul is saying. If there is any consolation, if there is any uh, uh, um, in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection, it says this, make, and any mercy, it says, make my joy complete or fulfill my joy. Um, here, we know that uh, um, when you're in fellowship, you got the same love. When you're in fellowship, you care about somebody. And Paul, we have to understand this. As Christian, you are not just in fellowship with Christ. You are not just in fellowship with his spirit. You're not in fellowship with God the Father. But here's the good news. You're in fellowship with each other. And oftentimes, we go with what I call the high spirituality. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God the Father. I love God the Son. I love God the Holy Spirit. But I cannot stand my sister. I cannot stand my brother. <laughs> uh, let me step on your toes real quick. Um, you, you know how you troll people on the internet? You know how um, you send those mean texts? You know how you cuss people out um, when they mess with you? No, DJ, not, not, not like that. Um, you know how you, you, you said bad words to people? Uh, um, you know how you behave like this? No, no, no. When, especially in the church, especially in the body of Christ, I don't understand how people said, oh, we are frenemies or we have enemies and you're a Christian. Um, it, it really makes no sense because Paul says, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection, any affection, make my joy complete. Um, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord. Here, Paul is putting a fourfold appeal. I have it on the slide. Um, Like-minded, same love, being of one accord and one spirit. Next slide. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, never mind. I, I thought it was up there. Never mind. I thought I put it up there. It's not up there. So you have the same mindset. The same mindset is not that you are not able to think for yourself. The same mindset is that you put your mind in the same agenda as uh, um, you and the other person put your mind in the same agenda, uh, um, in Christ's agenda, because Christ's agenda is bigger than what you think all by yourself. Okay, let, 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 me, let me make this plain. You know how nowadays everybody have their own truth? Oh, it's your truth. It's my truth. Christian ain't got no truth. Christian, they, have the, they don't have their own. People who, who consider themselves to be a Christian, they don't go say, I have my truth. Because you have the truth. You only state what Jesus said. You only said what the Bible says. So when it says of one accord, one love, one spirit, like-minded, it's like, no, 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 no. Um, my opinion doesn't matter. It's what Christ said. In other words, um, society has an opinion on every subject. Um, that's good for them. Jesus already said what he thinks, what he knows on every subject. So then if what I, if what I think, I have to check myself to make sure that what I think is not more in line with society or with the world, but it's in line with Christ Jesus. I, I know, I know, it sounds like I'm confusing you. Um, the world thinks that it's okay for whomever to marry whomever they want. Whether they are the same gender, um, the age difference, or whatever the case may be. But, but, but the Bible says a marriage is a union between a man and a woman. Uh, by the way, you do know that, that, that what I just said right there is considered by society as hate speech. 
You, you guys do know that, right? And there's going to be a time, me saying this, they're going to come and arrest me right in here. So, so let your mind be of the society. Let your mind be of the culture. No, that's not what it says. Let your mind be of Christ. Because now you are not thinking based on what you think. You are thinking biblically. And one of the reasons, let me get, one of the reasons why most of us cannot think biblically is because we are foreigners to our Bibles. The Bible is the most foreign book or app that you have on your phone. As a matter of fact, you delete it so you can have space for more, for, for more junk on your phone. The more space you need, you see what you don't use is what you delete. No wonder your mindset is that of the world. It's in contrast to Christ. And, and, and I, I, want, I want to continue. And you see, Paul goes on to say this. Um, not only that, as a, as a people, not only that you have the mindset of Christ, not only you, you need that, but it says this. Don't do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't do nothing out of selfish ambition. It, it, it says this, um, and lowliness of mind, esteem others better than you. That is countercultural talk right here. Culture said, you, you are it. You are the boss. You make, you make it happen. You did that. You did this. You did this, and, and, and part of a society, whether it be in school or especially in our job, we want to we, we make sure that we do whatever it takes to step on people's uh, um, toes. To, it doesn't matter what we step on their toes as long as we get to the top. We, we, we've been told it's all about you, but the Bible says, what, time out? If we are in church, if we are in Christ, I don't see me bigger than Dave. Dave doesn't see himself bigger than me. I don't see myself bigger than Tim. Tim doesn't see myself bigger than me. I, you know, because we are one in Christ. As a matter of fact, we as Christians are supposed to be like, no, no, you go first. No, no, you go first. You, 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 know, you, know, you know when you open the door? Um, have, you ever, have you ever opened the door for somebody? But, no, okay. Have you ever go to a place? <laughs> DJ said no. I love DJ. Um, <laughs> Open the door for your sisters from now on, okay? Um, have you ever go to a place where there's an a, a entrance door that you got to open, and then when you get to the lobby, there's another door you got to open, right? You now open that door, the first, the, the, the lobby door, um, the, the entrance door, you open it. Somebody goes right in front of you, right? And then so then you after them, only for them to open the door and just go. They, they, don't, they don't hold it for you. No, no. As Christian, we're supposed to be like, no, no. I open this door. You go in. The next door I open, you go in. So therefore, I'm not just thinking about me. We're thinking about, we're putting each other ahead of, each, ahead of ourselves. Therefore, we are pushing, encouraging one another, not trying to cut one, one another off. I mean, do you, have you ever thought about on how we keep closing those doors that when somebody held the door for you to get in, and then instead of you holding the other door for them to pass, because you want to make sure that you get there first. And the Christians, the Bible says, don't do nothing out of selfish ambition. And lowliness of mind, put the other ahead of you. And here's the good news. It says, don't look for your own interest. Look for the interests of others. Have you ever thought to yourself, what makes my brother and sister happy? Um, parenthesis. You, you, you know how sometimes um, people now, they, they dress sexy? Right? Okay, okay. Now, y'all don't know that, okay? Um, people, people dress in, in, in a way that's provocative. And they know exactly what they are doing. Christians don't do that. 
Do you know why? And I'm picking on you ladies. And some, same thing for you guys. You guys, you know, you all buffed up like me. And, uh, uh, and, and, and you want to go and, you know, no shirts you know, with your six pack. That's why I keep on covered with a suit. Uh, uh, oh, you're laughing? Um, you know, I keep my covered with a suit. But, but no, no, but he, he, hear, me, hear, me, hear me well. When you go like, right, and all the cleavage and everything is showing, and you post that, you're getting the 500 likes, you're causing people to sin. You're placing your interest of your sexiness ahead of people's holiness. Ooh, that, that was preached right there. You, you, you're placing your sexiness ahead of holiness. Meanwhile, the Bible never calls you to be sexy. Calls you to be holy. Close parenthesis. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that parenthesis. Um, so, so what I'm trying to tell you is this. When you place others' interests ahead of yourself, you're not just thinking about you. Because sometimes you may be in a company working in a place and there's a position that's open that's going to be somebody who's going to be above you. But there's somebody at the church, you know, that they ain't got a job. But you know, if you refer them, they're going to be your boss. That's placing your interest ahead of somebody else's interest ahead of yours. And Paul put all that just in context so you can understand what it means to have the mind of Christ. And Paul now goes on to use verses 5 through 11 to illustrate what it says. And this is where we're going to get our four uh, um, points for application, and we'll go home. But before that, um, something I didn't put on the slides, but I'm going to tell you this. This, this passage, 5 through, uh, um, five through 11, there, there's a lot of things that's been written about this, right? But it, it's literally, it's what you see in Jesus um, emptying himself. And they call that in the Greek, the kenosis. And it's where that Jesus is not using what is rightfully his, the ability that he has, but is simply now coming to do a job. And he has a mindset that you and I are to learn from it. Watch this with me. There are four things. If you want to, if you want to have the mind of Christ, if you want to have the mind of Christ, um, there are four things that you got to have, four things that's got to pop up. Number one, selflessness. Selflessness. Um, number one, selflessness. Watch this. Verse, verse 5 and 6 says this. Let this mind, let this mind, and your relationship, and, and, the, and, and other version says this. Uh, let me read this, what you have up there. And your relationship with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Um, can, can I break it down? Can I break it down for you in very, very, very layman's term? Um, Jesus is God, right? But because of you and I, Jesus did not consider um, his godness, if you will, his deity, something that is being taken away from him, but rather Jesus said, you know what, because I'm coming to do a specific job to save the world, I am not forfeiting my deity, but I am not using my deity because now I'm going to submit myself to God the Father and do exactly what he asked me to do. Um, this mind of Christ, it's literally it's the word, the same word that says attitude of Christ. It's your attitude should be the same as Christ. After all, somebody says this, outlook determines outcome. Uh, um, if the outlook is selfish, the actions will be divisive and destructive. Can I say this again? If, if your outlook is selfish, your actions will be divisive and selfish. Uh, divisive and, and destructive. People, have you ever seen two kids? Uh, um, have you ever seen sometimes, so sometimes how kids behave? When the selfishness starts coming, especially if you have a younger one and you're about to have a second one, and when you have another one, second one, the first one now realizes that the, the younger one gets all the attention. Sometimes it's a simple thing. They would rather throw it away 
or mess it up so that the younger one doesn't get it. And you have to teach the children, no, 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 this is not how you behave. Because you have to have a selfless attitude. And see, here what Christ is doing is not thinking of himself. He's putting others first. When you selflessness, when you have a selfless attitude, you must think of others, not yourself. It says this, who being informed but, but did not consider it robbery. He didn't consider it robbery. So, so now, Christ, Jesus, did not need anything because he is God. But he had all the glory, all the praise in heaven with the Father and with the Spirit. He ran over the universe. But in Philippians 2.6 this is an amazing fact. It says, it did not consider it as equality with God as something, as, selfish, as something selfishly to be held on. Jesus did not think of himself. He thought of others. His attitude was that of an unselfish concern for others. This is the mind of Christ. An attitude that says, I cannot keep my privileges for myself. I must use them for others. And, and to do this, I will gladly lay them aside and pay whatever price is necessary. Um, doing the Black Lives Matter movement, not necessarily the political thing people have issues with, but in a sense of equal treatment for people of color in this country. There was some, and, and even, even doing the civil rights I was, watching, um, I was watching something that illustrates this better than, than the, the movie Selma. There was, there was a white minister that was assassinated in, in Selma um, because he went to a meeting and he went to a protest and, and they expected Dr. King to show up. And Dr. King did not show up. And that, Dr. King, they, they, have him, they, they have him stay back. And when they begin to beat up on the people, there was a white minister that was there and they beat him up to death. The point I'm making to you is this. Here is a man, is, he had the privilege. He had the privilege of his skin color and the laws of the land at that time. But he didn't consider it to be something to be used selfishly. He used it to promote freedom and liberty for people that was being oppressed. What am I saying to you? You are in church. You are in Christ. Not in church. You are in Christ. Because a lot of people are in church, but they're not in Christ. You are in Christ. You can't be selfish. You can't put, you can't put yourself ahead of others. I know that's counter-cultural. Counter, um, but no, they did not do this. Because you have to have this humble mindset. This humility that brings you to where that you are being selfless. Um, one of my favorite uh, uh, um, person who ever lived is Booker T. Washington, um, renowned black educator. Um, when he got promoted to be the, the, the president of the Tuske Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, he was, he was walking in a, an exclusive section of the town when he was stopped by a wealthy white woman, not knowing the famous Mr. Washington by sight. The lady asked him if we would like to earn a few dollars by chopping some wood for her. Because he had no pressing business at the time, he rolled up his sleeves, he rolled up his sleeves and smiled and chopped the wood for the lady. And he even proceeded to take the woods and bring them to the lady's fireplace. There was a young lady that was there that noticed Mr. Washington, but the lady did not know. So then Mr. Washington after that left and went back to his office and did what he had to do. Then the young lady told the older white woman, this was the Mr. Booker T. Washington. And the lady was so embarrassed and she ran to Mr. Washington's office the next day. And this was a wealthy woman. And she apologized. She apologized. And Mr. Washington said, no problem. I'm not offended at all. It says this, I would do this for a friend. I did it because you're a friend. And the lady shook 
Mr. Washington's hands. And you know what the lady did? The lady went and, and all, all of her wealthy friends and got them together and donated thousands of dollars to the university at the time. Because at that moment, she realized she, put not, she no longer put her interests first. She put her interests ahead. She put uh, um, Mr. Washington's interests ahead because Mr. Washington and all of his knowledge and education, when the lady asked him to cut, to chop down the roots, it did not see it to be something offensive. How many times you are here, somebody asks you to just remove a little trash. You think they offending you by asking you to move something. Selflessness is an attitude of somebody who has the mind of Christ. Um, let me move on. Number two, servanthood. It's not just enough to serve, uh, um, to, 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 to be selfless, but it's another thing now to put into action. Um, watch verse 7 says this, um, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and now in some texts it's servant, and coming in the likeness of men. Thinking of others is an abstract sense only uh, um, is insufficient. We must go down to the nitty-gritty of true service. Um, there's a famous philosopher. He wrote glowing words about educating children, but he abandoned his own children. It was easy for him to love children in the abstract, but when he came down to practice, there was something else. Jesus thought of others and became a servant. Jesus thought about you and I, he became a servant. Jesus thought about your sin and my sins, he became a servant. Jesus thought about our lives, he became a servant. Jesus thought about all the nastiness that we have done. He became a servant. Um, Paul traced the steps of humiliation of Christ. He emptied himself laying aside the independent use of his own attribute as God. He permanently became a man for 33 years. Jesus was a man on earth and a sinless physical body. He used the body to serve. One of my favorite verse in the Bible is Matthew 20, 28. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but I come to serve. You, you know how... Um, some of you, like, like, can, can, I, can I make a shameless plug to, to, to the worship for the worship team? You know how some of you, you know how to sing, you have a beautiful voice, and we do need people in the worship team, but you're like, nah, I'm going to come here and be entertained. And be entertained, let the worship team come and sing and praise. And some days, if we are short on people, we only have one person up here, but you know how to sing, but you're still sitting down. That's my son being witness. Don't, don't let him. Don't, don't, that is, it's all right. So the point is this. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Here is my question for you. Who are you serving today? Who are you serving? Are you serving the homeless? Are you serving the broken down? Are you serving the least of these? Are you serving the one who are neglected? Are you serving the people who don't have much? Are you serving the people that when you serve them, you won't have nothing in return? Who are you serving today? Are you serving your grandma who don't speak English, but that raised you when you were a babysitter? But now she's old, she doesn't know how to, you know, there's certain things you have to take the time to fill out for her. Are you serving that grandma? Are you honoring that grandma? Who are you serving today? You, 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 you want to know, um, uh, um, talk about service? And, and, and Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, talks about the spirit. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has, he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. When was the last time you spoke to somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you saw somebody under the bridge 
somebody at the stop sign uh, um, that, that's, that's hungry, and you, and you, you just purchase you, yourself a good, a good old Haitian plate. Good, good Haitian, it smells real good. And the person, says, the person has the sign that says, um, hungry, feed me. Right? Hungry, feed me. Now, you do have money to go back and buy another plate. But you say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm not doing it. You do give him the plate. You, you know that, that Jesus espoir? I'm going to make you guys hungry. Griot, bon pesé, with pickles on the side. Somebody said, all right, they got it. <laughs> I'm going to make you hungry, right? So, so, but you're not proclaiming the good news to the poor. He says he has anointed me to, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You know, I know there's COVID, but we do need a prison ministry to go and share the good news with the prisoners and to go and share. You, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still learning what's new around here. Um, did you know that on Powerline, going north of Semple on Powerline, there's a place where they keep people who, are of, uh, um, people who have no papers that's about to be judged and, 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 or be either deported or something like that? And you know who most of these people, we know who they are? Haitians. Do you know that there's a time that you can go and visit these people? I just found out, and I'm letting you know. In other words, you have a mission. Your selflessness is worthless if it's not followed by service. You can't be selfless if you're not serving. And serving is not self-serving, it's serving others. Um, it, it doesn't stop there. If you're going to be selfless, like Jesus was, if you're going to be a servant like Jesus was, then there's a sacrifice. It's in the text. I'm not making this. It's in the text. Watch verse 8. It says this, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What a price to pay. <laughs> what a price to pay. In other words, when you have a mind of Christ, selflessness is one. Servanthood is two. But it costs, it costs to follow Christ. There is a cost. It's, it requires a sacrifice. Here it is. Jesus is not necessarily asking you to die. Not, 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 not yet at least as of now, but there are certain things you have to die to. Uh, I know this is not, this is not a, this is my favorite, this is one of my favorite um, passages of scripture, but I know it's a tough sermon. There are certain things you have to die to. Number one thing you have to die to is self. Self, me, myself, and I gotta be, gotta retire. Retire for good. And, and, and so many people are willing to serve if it does not cost them anything. But if there's a price to pay, then suddenly they lose interest. Um, I, I said this all the time. You know how, you, you, you know, uh, um, I, I hopefully sometime this year or next year we have a mission. Our mission team will, will be back in business. Do you know that if we say we have a, a planned vacation to go to Jamaica, everybody has money and everybody makes time to go to Jamaica on vacation? But if we say we're going on a mission trip to Jamaica, that's going to cost you. You're not going to go to a Montego Bay or, or those place, but it's going to cost you your money out of your own pocket to go on a mission trip somewhere in Jamaica. You know, most people would not go. But if I say we're going to have a trip, like a young adult's trip or, young, you know, young married couple trip and young, young adults, we're going to go to Jamaica. I guarantee you, everybody will have the time off work. Everybody will have the money. But if you say we're going to go on a mission trip, I guarantee you, I can count it. Maybe both, if I have 10 people, praise God. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I'm just trying to tell you that when it comes to follow Christ, when it comes to have the same mindset as he did, there's a, there's a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice. So, Mm -hmm. 
DJ, um, there's a doctor called J.H. Jowett. Um, it says this, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If there is to be any blessing, there must be some bleeding. There's a man who went to a religious festival in Brazil, and he saw a sign, uh, um, and he was going from booth to booth to examine what he saw, some of the things that he saw. And he saw a sign above one booth that says this, cheap crosses. He thought, he says, that's what many Christians are looking for these days, cheap crosses. But my Lord's cross was not cheap. Why should mine be cheap? What is Christianity is costing you today? What is the cost of you following Christ today? Is there any cost to your is there any cost to your Christianity today? It is said that Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire, once had captured a prince and his family. When they came before him, the prince asked, uh, um, the, 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 the king, King Cyrus, asked the prisoner, what will you give me if I release you? The prince says, half of my wealth. And, 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 Cyrus, says, uh, and, and Cyrus says, if I release your children, the prince says, everything I possess. And Cyrus says, if I release your wife, the prince says, your majesty, I will give you myself. Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he freed them all. As they returned home, the prince said to his wife, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? With a look of deep love for her devoted husband, she said to him, I did not notice. I could only keep my eyes on you the one who was willing to give himself for me. Did you hear what she said? I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who was willing to give himself for me. Can you keep your eyes on Christ and Christ alone, the one who gave himself for you, the one who died for your sins, the one who forgave your sins, the one who gives you eternal life, can you keep your eyes fixed in Christ and Christ alone? I know we have a lot of competing interests, but Christ and Christ alone. There's a good old song that says, He came from heaven to earth to show the way. He had shown us the way. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Him. If that's a sacrifice, it requires you. Therefore, you got to cut, um, you got to delete some of the TV shows you used to watch. If they are not of Christ, if they are not promoting the agenda of Christ, some of the stuff that you are watching, they are corrupting your minds. If you got to make that sacrifice, then so be it. If it requires you to now no longer have that boyfriend or girlfriend because they are pressuring you or you've been engaging in activities that you should not be engaging until you get married, then you cut them off. Because for what Christ has done for you, you can sacrifice for him. What are you sacrificing for Christ today? What is your sacrifice? Some of you, you're only here because the football game starts at 3.30. But if he had started at 1 o'clock, you would not be here. Therefore, you sacrifice Christ for a football game. I'm asking you, what are you sacrificing for Christ today? Um, you, you know what usually happens when you are selfless, when you are a, 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 of service, and when you are sacrificing for Christ, you know what happens? The very thing that you are looking for without doing those three prerequisites, glory, exaltation. And this is the last thing that happens, glorification. Verses 9 through 11, and I'm done after this. It says this, verses 9 through 11. Watch this, therefore, another therefore, 
This is tying to everything else we just went over. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that at, at that very tongue, at that, every, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Um, this, of course, is the great goal of all that we do, to glorify God. Paul warns us of vainglory in verse 3, the kind of rivalry that pits Christian against another, that put ministry against another. You know how it is in church? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in this choir. I don't belong in this group. I'm in this group. I don't belong in that group. No, no, we are one church. This is not contemporary ministry versus cruel ministry. This is Redemption Baptist Church. We are one church. This is not redemption versus any other church. We are one church of Jesus Christ. This morning, every church that's proclaiming the name of Jesus, they are on our team. Every church, every person who's bringing Christ's glory, they are on the same team as you are. Therefore, we have to have the same mind because we have one Lord. Our Christ's exaltation began with his resurrection. When men buried the body of Jesus Christ, that was the last thing any human hands can do to him. From that point forward, it was God who worked. Men had done their worst to the Savior, but God exalted him and honored him. Men gave him, men gave him names of ridicule, of slender, but the Father gave him a glorious name. Just as in his humiliation, he was giving the name of Jesus. So in his exaltation, he was giving the name Lord. He arose from the dead and then returned in victory to heaven, ascending to the Father's throne. The, the whole purpose of Christ's humiliation and exaltation is to glorify the Father. As Jesus faced the cross... The glory of the Father was uppermost in his mind. Watch what he says in John 17, 1. Father, the hour is come for, for the Son to glorify, for, for, for me to glorify you. Says, this is what it says, John, John, John 17, 1. The hour is come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you. In fact, he, what, he, has, he, he has given this glory to us. The same glory, 1722. I preached that sermon last year. 1722, look what it says. 1722. There you go. I have given them. You know who the them are? Us. The glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. What did Paul start with? One mind, one spirit. The unity of the church, the unity of the church glorifies the Father. And God has given us that glory. Jesus has given us that glory that God has given to him. But you can't get that glory if you're not selfless, if you're not a servant, if you're not sacrificing. And one day, we shall share, share this glory with him in heaven. It says that in, 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 uh, in John 17, 24. It says this, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. And in Romans 8, 20, 30, um, 20 to 30, it says the same thing. The mind of Christ requires those things. Let me close with an illustration that makes sense to you. LeBron James plays in Cleveland. Was a good player, great player, couldn't win a championship. Dwayne Wayne, Dwayne Wade had already won a championship in Miami. LeBron James decided to leave Cleveland. 
The decision. You all remember this? The decision. He came to be in Miami. The first year, they didn't win. Simple fact. Nobody knew who was leading. It was Dwinwood's team. It's Wade County. It's Dwinwood's team. But Dwinwood decided to be selfless, to make a sacrifice so that they could win. Because LeBron is a better player than Dwayne Wade. But it's Dwayne Wade's team. He's the leader. So you know what he did? He took a second place. And as a result of Dwayne Wade's second place, LeBron James won two championships in Miami. People give LeBron James all the accolades. He got the MVPs. He got everything. But there's no championship for LeBron James in Miami if Dwayne Wade did that decide to take a second place. What I'm trying to tell you is simply this. For you and I, we have one who won the championship because he, he defeated against death. I'm done. I'm, I, feel, now I feel like preaching, but I'm done. He defeated death. He conquered sin. And he's asking us to take a second place, to die to self, and let him be exalted. Because if he's exalted, we'll be exalted. If he's glorified, we'll be glorified. Because he's victorious, we are, we are victorious. What I'm saying to you, the mind of Christ this afternoon, it simply requires you to die of self. And to say, you know what? I want to serve others. I'm willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. And one day, one day, my Jesus will say, my God will say, well done. And I'll share the glory with God in heaven. Let this mind, let this mind be your mind. Let your mind be like his mind. May God bless you.